we're going to talk about um, how we grow, how we grow. And um, we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit a little bit today. We're in this uh, Bible boot camp. And what I want to focus on here is there's two critical elements, everybody. There's two critical elements that we need to grow. And what I, as I talk about them this morning, you know what I've seen is that these two elements that I'm going to talk about, they're always in play. Both of them are always in play. At all the time, but one of them always kind of like assumes that top dog position. Like, uh, it's not like they're fighting against each other, but one is always king of the hill, and they like take turns playing that part. Anybody ever been to Nags Head, North Carolina, and seen the big, huge sand dune that's down there? What's the name of that? Is it Jockey's Ridge? Kitty Hawk. Kitty Hawk. Man, that's, come on. He's British. He doesn't know. Man, that's where we, that's where we pioneered the world of flight. Okay. Um, Nags Head. Jockey's Ridge. Sorry, he's from England. He was he was over he was overseas when that was discussed. Uh, you know, I actually got a connect card one time, and someone said, "You know, could you and Derek not like hit on each other? You know, make fun of each other?" I said, "Are you crazy, man? <laughs> that is not going to happen." So anyway, let's get back. Let's get serious. Let's get serious here for a second. <clears throat> Well, you remember last week when I told you we told how bad my sermon was? He said that in front of me. I'm still getting him back for that. Anyway. Um, what was I talking about? Jockey's Ridge. So when I was a kid, we'd go down there and we'd play like King of the Hill. Like you throw people off the top of the big dune and see them like spin down the dune, right? So these two things, one of them, they, they take turns going back and forth. The first one is this. This is how we grow in our relationship and our understanding of God. We grow by learning. We grow by learning. It's so necessary. 2 Timothy 2.15, it says, study and be eager. Study what? Study God. Study the Bible. Study, learn, grow. We talk so much about this as we began this series, that theology, that faith is driven by logic and reason. It's not check your brain at the door. It's driven by logic and reason. Ezra, the guy who went back and rebuilt the temple from the Old Testament, Ezra, this guy devoted himself to learning. That's just, a, you know, that's just scratching the surface. There's so many things we can talk about about learning, how the Bible encourages us to learn. And some of us are at that place right now. Some of us are in a place where... We are not going to be able to move forward in our relationship with God and our understanding of God unless we commit ourselves to some serious learning. Some of us, that's just top dog for you right now. That's king of the hill that God is pushing. Hey, come on. There's some things I need you to learn. When we began this series, that's where I was. That's the place I was in. Like, I had studied the scriptures, obviously. I've been to seminary. I've been to Bible college. But I found myself in a place where I needed to be reminded and I needed to learn something new. So like when we talked about the reliability of the scriptures and I was reminded against all pieces of ancient literature, the Bible's reliability outshines every single piece by like it just dwarfs everything else. Like way beyond. When you want to talk about literary reliability, the Bible is whoo, just leaps and bounds. I said, wow. Man, that just increased my understanding. It increased my faith. It, 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 it helped me in my relationship with God. When we talked about science, now that's something I never got into. I don't know if I was sleeping during science class or what. But, you know, somebody could have come up and said anything to me. Like, oh, yeah, science. And people have said this before. Science disproves God. Like, God does not exist because science tells us that God does not exist. I would have said, oh, okay. What am I going to say? I've been studying this thing. But how am, I, how am I to know? How am I really to know scientifically? I mean, I talk to you from the Bible a little bit. Well, you know what it says in Genesis chapter 1. So, man, I spent six weeks. Now, look, I didn't get very far in six weeks, but I spent six weeks really pouring myself into that. And what I realized is, is science is like double-fisted pointing us to God. That, that's the way it struck me as I studied science. 
And that bolstered my faith. So some of us are at a place of learning. We need to learn. God's saying, come on, there's some things you need to learn. But here's the second thing. The second thing's in play is that we grow by believing. We grow by believing. Anybody watch the Macy's Day Parade? Anybody? Someone, someone? I never watched that Macy's Day Parade. But I was walking through the living room, and my wife and my daughter were watching it. And you know what I did happen to notice? That the theme, did anybody catch the theme in the Macy's Day Parade? Who knows the theme of the Macy's Day Parade, for those of you who watched it? Just shout it out. Go ahead. Be bold. Don't be, you know, don't be embarrassed that you watch the parade. Maybe you're a guy here today. Thinking, man, I know. Is it? Who knows? Oh, my. Believe. 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 I thought that was so cool. They picked up on the same theme that I want to talk to you about today. It's about believe. We, we have to believe. Jesus said in Mark 9, 23, he says, everything is possible for him who believes. That's a pretty powerful statement, isn't it? Everything is possible for him who believes. Jesus was talking to a lady named Martha one day. Now, he was friends with a guy named Lazarus. He had two sisters, Mary and Martha. Lazarus got sick. Word went to Jesus, hey, your buddy, Lazarus is sick down the road in Bethany. You need, you, you need to go and help him out because like, Jesus had this big reputation for praying for people who were sick, right? So he said, you need to come pray for Lazarus because this guy, man, this boy is really sick. He needs some help. And so it says that Jesus didn't go right away. Even though Lazarus was a good buddy of his, he didn't bail him out right away. He just he kind of let him go. So Jesus shows up three days later. Well, the deal is, is that Lazarus died. Lazarus has been dead for three days. And so Mary and Martha, the sisters, they're all over Jesus. They're getting all over his case. Hey, man, what's wrong with you? Why didn't you show up? What are you doing? Blah, blah, blah. So Jesus says, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Let's go out to the tomb. And then Jesus makes this crazy statement out at the tomb. He says, look, roll the stone away. And Martha says, she's very practical. She says, man, we can't, he stinks. I mean, like, he's been dead three days. The guy, I mean, very practical. He stinks. We're not rolling the stone away. And then Jesus says this, everybody. He says, didn't I tell you if you believed that you would see the glory of God? Now, what's going on there? Her knowledge of life and understanding, her learning that she had could only take her so far that she needed to believe in order to go the next step in order to see the glory of God. Like her knowledge was going to get her close to the glory, glory of God, but it was belief that was going to take her across the finish line. That's what happens in our life. We have to believe. Now, somebody's going to help us with uh, just giving us just kind of a brief piece of their life and something they've been through. I'm going to ask Nicole. If Nicole would come up, could everybody please give a round of applause for Nicole? Cole's going to help us with this. This is the, this is actually Josh. For those of you who know Josh, this is Josh's sister. So I know it's it's difficult. For those of you who know Josh, think, my goodness, he looks one way and Nicole's beautiful. So anyway, but she's graciously agreed to uh, come and help us. So uh, Nicole, uh, we did the next step, and you've heard us talk about the next step. What is the next step? Next step is where we were meeting, the whole staff was meeting with anybody who wanted to sign up for one, one-on-one. We'd hear your story. we talk about five ways, five proven ways that people grow spiritually. But the, the whole next step begins, and you can still sign, if you're interested in the next step, you can still sign up for one, just fill out the Connect card. Uh, the whole next step begins by hearing your story. And so Nicole started to share her story, and she said something in the midst of it. I said, oh, my gosh. And I stopped right there. I says, 
Would you be willing to tell everybody at church that? Because I want them to hear. There's a piece of the story that I thought was fantastic that we need to hear. So, uh, here we go. Uh, you grew up in church? Yes. Yes, you did. You grew up in church. And um, what was it like with, you know, your understanding of God? How did that work for you? All that stuff. Just give us the... Okay. So, grew up at, uh, going to church every Sunday, believing what I was taught in Sunday school, believing what my parents believed, uh, never thinking to question anything. It was just what we did mm-hmm. until college. Um, got my own brain, started thinking for myself for once, uh, so therefore questioning everything. Um, I had really good friends, uh, different religions, and they were sure they were right, and that totally confused me because I thought what I grew up with was right, so I therefore started questioning um, the foundations of every religion and, and God in general. So, so you were kind of like in a season of questioning? Were you also yeah. in a season of kind of like searching and searching out knowledge and information? Yeah. What was that like? Yeah, I was, I was like, okay, this religion business is crazy. I, I just want to know the truth. What's the truth? Um, that became and still is my only goal is truth outside of, you know, different belief systems. So I was Good. seeking that and... Uh, but at, at the time, you know, there was a season of just basically agnosticism and uh, just not knowing and but feeling good that I had my own brain and <laughs> wasn't just believing something. Yeah. So. So grow up and, you know, all the studies are clear that you grow up in a home, whatever religion it might be, the chances are very high that you're just going to follow suit. Right. And then you come to a place where, as Nicole says, you get your own brain. Uh, some people get to that place. Not every. Everybody gets to that place, but a lot of people get to that place uh, and start questioning. And then, so Nicole then kind of gets to the own brain situation, goes on a search. You're listening to other people, listening to their stories. You're trying to figure all that out. You're gathering information. You're listening and all this. But then there was this moment where you made a decision. Tell us about that. Okay. So questioning, questioning. My spiritual journey is basically full of questions and, and doubts and I was really sick of it. I just wanted I wanted to believe that there's a God who loves me and who cares. So I just decided to proclaim for myself a year of I'm just gonna believe, basically pretend that there's a God who cares and loves me. Um, I'm pretending if he doesn't exist, if he does exist, then I'm not pretending. So it made sense to me. Um, so for a year I just put my questions on hold and just decided to pray and believe that that there was a God. So I thought that was so awesome. You know, and some some of you might say, oh, my gosh. You know, because Nicole just said, you know, I, I just pretended. You know, I'm, just, I'm, I'm just even pretending that, that I'm believing. But we, we grew up, right? And for those of us who grew up in this kind of atmosphere where everything's, you know what I'm saying, and we maybe have that church brain, so to speak, and something's not questioning, to hear that, oh, God, you're just going to pretend like you believe. Well, you know what? I'm just so reminded of the scriptures. You know, like the guy who came to Jesus. Jesus, do you believe? He says, I believe. Then he says, help my unbelief. What's he saying? I believe. But I'm not really sure I believe. I don't know. What is faith? You know, faith actually requires faith. It's this moment of, I'm not 100% sure. My logic and reason has led me to this point, and I'm going to give it my best shot. And so what got me so much about what Nicole said, she's in this searching place. She really is being open and honest with it. She says, you know what? That's it. I'm proclaiming a year of belief. Now, what happened from there? How'd it go? 
it was pretty interesting. It was cool. I felt like I had prayers answered. I felt like it was a very fulfilling year. And at the end, I questioned whether it was such a great year due to self-fulfilling prophecy, which I can say the years that followed sort of proved that it wasn't because I've continued to be my spirit and my brain have both been fulfilled. After that year, I started questioning and letting, you know, letting myself question and doubt if they came up. And uh, the combination for me of having doubts and having questions and having faith have been very fulfilling mm-hmm. to both my brain and my spirit. That's awesome. So. That's awesome. You know, everybody, atheism and theism are both leaps of faith. Atheism and theism are both leaps of faith. One's a positive leap, one's a negative leap. But they both require faith. Now, I would argue from the standpoint of logic and reason that there's more evidence for the existence of God than the fact that God does not exist. But there's nobody in this room that can prove to us, can prove right now that God exists. And there's no atheist that can prove to us that God does not exist. Because both of it requires faith. Faith actually requires faith. Does that make sense? There's this line there. We want to talk more about that. But can we give Nicole a round for standing up here, for being for being Josh's sister, dealing with all that. You know, I really wanted to ask questions about how Josh acted in church, you know, but what was it like to grow up with him and how did he act in church? Because I know how he acts in church today. Anyway, let's move on. I want to talk about the Holy Spirit. What does the Holy Spirit have to do with this whole thing about growing and about understanding God? Because the Holy Spirit has a lot to do with it. The Holy Spirit is God. We talked about that last week. Holy Spirit is God. And the Holy Spirit is a gift to us that grants us understanding of who God is. Here we go. Isaiah 11.2 says, Notice these words that are given to describe the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The Spirit, the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of wisdom. What is wisdom? Wisdom is knowledge, but it's not just knowledge. It's knowing the right thing to do with the knowledge. So it's knowing and doing the right thing. That's who the Holy Spirit is. It helps us. The Spirit, the Spirit of wisdom. And what's next? Understanding. Understanding. The Spirit of counsel and of power and the Spirit of knowledge. Now, last week we talked about being filled with the Spirit. Consider the association here with the famous verse from Ephesians chapter 5 that talks about being filled with the Spirit. And what is it associated with? What is being filled with the Spirit associated with? Check this out. I think it's really cool. Be careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. Now, notice this next part. Making the most of every opportunity. I, you know, I don't know anybody that doesn't want to make the most of their life. The Holy Spirit helps us to make the most of our life by giving us understanding and wisdom. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. We're going to come to that in a minute. That's the million-dollar question for you. What is God's will for your life? Understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. What is debauchery? I don't know. We need to figure that one out. Debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. So what's the association here? It's being filled with the Spirit... The Holy Spirit helps me to make the most of my life. The Holy Spirit gives me wisdom to know and to do the right things. The Holy Spirit gives me understanding. This is what the Spirit does in my life. Now, um, if I said to you, I want to know about who you are. If I want to know about who you are, how could I best understand you? What could I do to understand who you are? 
Now I could, I could read your resume. You could give me, you could send me, email me a copy of your resume. I could read it. You could send me a brief bio of who you are. I could, I could talk to your friends and family. And they could tell all this about who you are. But how do we understand God? 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 11 and verse 14. Fascinating. It says, The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the man's spirit? Who knows man except for man himself? That's all it's saying. In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except for the Spirit of God. Nobody knows God. Nobody knows the thoughts of God except for God himself is what's being said there. The man without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. Let me stop right there. What is it saying? Well, the Bible tells us that when we believe when we believe in Jesus Christ, that the Holy Spirit comes into our lives and lives with us, and it gives us, what it's trying to say here, gives us personal, first-hand experience of who God is. This is what it's saying. The man without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. I can't understand you by reading your resume. I can't understand you by reading your bio. I cannot understand you by talking to your family and friends. There's only one way I can truly understand you. And that is if you sit down with me and you tell me about yourself. Does everybody, would everybody agree with that? Would everybody agree with that? So how can I understand God, really understand God, until God himself sits down with me and I sit down with him and allow him to begin to speak to me? That's what the Corinthians passage is saying. That the Holy Spirit, speak. those things are spiritually. So I have to invite Jesus Christ. I have to proclaim Jesus Christ as my Lord. I have to proclaim belief in Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Then his spirit comes and lives within me. And the Holy Spirit sits down with me and gives me understanding of God. Now that does not mean, everybody, for those people who go around and say, yeah, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. That doesn't mean that they're sitting down with the Holy Spirit and actually being open and they have all the answers. Because some of you might say, well, man, I know some people who are followers of Christ and they're really messed up. I do too. Okay? And I'm not saying I have all my act together either. That's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is the scripture says that when the spirit of God lives in our lives, that we can sit down with the spirit. And that's how we gain understanding of who God is. How do I go about discerning what God's will is in my life? That's the million dollar question, right? So, God, what do you want me to do with my life? What's my purpose in life? Now, that's big or it could be small. It could be, God, what do you want me to do with the rest of my life? Or, God, what, you know, what do you want me to do today? It can be big, it can be small. But that's the question I hear. So many people say, hey, John, listen, can you help me understand what God's will is for my life? Like, I want to know what my purpose is or where I'm going, what I should do. Or some people come and say, you know, John, I'm just praying, should I, like, should I move to the West Coast? I got a job offer or should I stay here? How do, we, how do we discern it? Here's what I'm saying to you. Answering the million, million dollar question of what God's will is in your life doesn't start with us going to God and say, hey, God, what do I do about X. It starts with us having an understanding of who God is first as a foundation. Because once we understand God, then it's so much easier to figure out his will. Does that make sense? Once we understand, and we can't understand God apart from the Holy Spirit. That's why the Holy Spirit is such a gift in our life. It's like us trying to understand women, right? Like trying to understand a woman. It's a mystery. It's a challenge. That, you know, it's like Mount Everest. How could I ever understand my beautiful, wonderful, complicated wife. How could I do that? I could, I could sit down with her. We could, 
you know, we could talk. We talk a lot of long hours. And that's how I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fit over a period of time. But it's not going to happen by, you know, talking to her parents about her or reading a book on when All those are going to help. But not until I actually sit down and look her right in the eye and say, go ahead. Let me have it. Now, if I do that, maybe I will this year get the right Christmas present, right? If I do those kind of things. <laughs> what I'm saying, it's the same way with the Spirit of God. We've got to hear first. Hand. I have a much better chance of understanding God's will for my life once I understand God. Now, here, this is what I want to conclude with, everybody, is this. The Holy Spirit is our guide in that journey of understanding who God is. I'll say that again. The Holy Spirit is our guide in the journey of understanding who God is. And once we understand God, what becomes much easier? Understanding His will for our lives. Much, much easier. All right, John chapter 16, verse number 13. This is Jesus Christ speaking about the Holy Spirit. Whole 16 chapter is beautiful. Here's one verse I want to talk to you about for just a second. But when he, Jesus speaking, when he, the spirit of truth, truth, what truth? What's he talking, what truth is he talking about? He's talking about the truth about who God is. When he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears. No, he's saying he's only going to speak what the Father is saying. He's, not, he's saying he's not going to not speak about himself as if he's some inferior part of the Trinity. That's not what he's saying. He's saying he's going to share with you the knowledge of who God is. He's going to speak from the Father. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. Here's where I want to come all the way back to belief, everybody. I want to give you three things that you absolutely have to believe in, in terms of the Holy Spirit and in terms of understanding God. You, some of us are at a place today where, where we need to learn in order to grow. But there's a bunch of us in this room here today that we need to actually believe in order to grow. Like we've gotten right up to this line. We began, again, we began this series, we talked so much in Bible boot camp about theology and faith in God is driven by logic and reason. I want to say to those of you here that if you're, if you're waiting for like one more nugget of knowledge to come your way before you kind of cross that line of, oh yeah, I really believe in God. I'm saying that, that might not ever come. Knowledge and reason can take you right up to the line, but it can't get you across the line with God. It takes faith. Faith requires faith. Some of us are in a place where we need to, to grow and we need learning to do that. And some of us, we're in a place where we just simply need to believe and leap across that line. And here are three things that are really vital to that. The first one is this. The Holy Spirit is here for you. The Holy Spirit is here for you. Listen, if that might that seems really simplistic. But I, wanna, I really want to belabor this point in just a second. So often we sit in churches or gatherings like this, or we sit in our home or something like that. And we maybe we hear something. We, you know, the Holy Spirit is here for you. We say, yeah, that's yeah, yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. He's here for my neighbor. You know, the neighbor next to you. It's easier to believe for somebody else than it is for you. You know, the person sitting next to you with a big goofy smile on their face or something like that. Yeah, God's here for them. God's going to bless them. God's going to help them. But the point is this: what Jesus is making in John 16 is the Spirit of God is here and He's here for you right now. So if you want to hear from God, if you want to gain an understanding of God, if you're at a point in your life where belief is that next leap forward, you've got to believe the Spirit of God is here, and He's here for you right now. The second thing is this. The Holy Spirit will guide you. This is really important. Jesus chose that word very specifically. The Holy Spirit will guide you. He didn't say the Holy Spirit will drive you. The Holy Spirit will force you. I can't tell you, guys, how many times in my, in my life I would I just say to God, God, if you would just 
man, if you just make your will happen in my life, if you just, like, bam, come down, I would do your, I just want your will, just make it happen, you know, make it happen, just force it to happen, like close every other door, right? But that's not what God does. God doesn't drive. God guides. And you know what that means? It means it's messy. It means you're behind the steering wheel, and the Holy Spirit's sitting there as your co-pilot, okay, this way, that way, and every now and then we get it messed up, we drive into the ditch, we make some mistakes. This is what happens. That's all part of the guiding process. But here's the thing. We are a part of that process, everybody. When God says, I will guide you, he's saying, I want you to be a part of the process. I'm not going to force anything upon you. I want you to be a part of the process. You can't like say, okay, well, I'm going to check out and just let God guide. We were having a conversation the other day in a staff meeting about Ambien. This is the kind of stuff we do in our staff meetings. So we were talking about, we were talking about Ambien. And um, uh, I was saying that I have a, a friend, Chris and I have a friend of ours, and they travel like all, all around the world. They're traveling all around the world, and they don't live in New York City, but they keep an apartment in New York City because they come and go out of New York City so often. And they just got back from international travel, and they had a big meeting the very next morning, and they were jet-lagged, they were hungry, they were tired, they know they needed to sleep and sleep soundly for a certain amount of time, and so they decided that they were going to take Ambien. And so they took Ambien while they were still up, not in bed, walking around their apartment, looking for food, couldn't find it, took an Ambien. And the next thing they know, they wake up the next morning, and in an apartment that had no food whatsoever, they found, like, potato chips and pretzels and Cheeto wrappers. They were all over the kitchen, everything, all over the place. They said, what in the world happened? You know what happened to them? When they were asleep, because they had taken the Ambien, they had no idea what they were doing. They walked through the streets of New York City at 2 o'clock in the morning to a convenience store. And they bought it because they went to the convenience store the next morning when they got up. They figured it out. They said they went into the guy that owned the place. Was I in here last night? Yes. You came in at 2.30 in the morning and you bought all this junk food. I, you had this crazed look in your face. You know, you bought all this junk food. And so I said, man, I would stay away from the Ambien. And so Josh, Josh says, well, I got, a, I got a great story about that. We have a neighbor. And this guy, like he sleepwalks and he, you know, takes the Ambien or whatever and he, he, he sleepwalks and stuff. And we'll see him. He'll be out jogging around the neighborhood at 3 o'clock in the morning, just out there full-blown jogging. And sometimes he's out cooking uh, steaks on the grill. And we said, wouldn't that be so awesome, guys, if you could, like, jog, get your exercise in in the middle of the night when you didn't even know it, like you were totally not even a part of the deal. You're just out there jogging, and you wake up, and you're all exercise, man. Your muscles are ripped, and you're, you're losing weight, and you didn't even know it. What if you could pay your bills? What if you could take a bunch of Ambien and pay all your bills in the middle of the night? Or for those of you who fight with your spouse all the time, what if you could have all those fights in the, you know, and you didn't even know you were exempt from the whole thing? My wife and I, we don't fight, so I don't need the Ambien for that. But what if you could do all those things and you didn't know it? Wouldn't that be cool? Well, here's the thing. The Holy Spirit tells us that he's our guide, that he doesn't drive us, that he doesn't force us, that we're a part of that whole deal. And it's messy. And it takes our involvement. But we've got to believe that the Holy Spirit is going to guide you. Listen, you're here today. You've got to believe the Spirit of God wants to guide you. And don't look for something all nice and clean and chippy and cheery and stuff like that. You've got to believe the Holy Spirit wants to guide you. And here's the last thing you've got to believe. You've got to believe the Holy Spirit will speak to you. You have to believe that the Holy Spirit... That's what Jesus says right here. He says, you've got to believe the Holy Spirit's going to speak to you. You've got to believe that. Some of us are right up at that line and we're like, oh, I'm not sure. You've got to leap across. You've got to proclaim a year of belief. Make 2010 a year of belief that the Spirit of God is going to guide you and speak to you and is going to be present with you. I was thinking about this. 
how does the Holy Spirit speak in my life? And I was reminded of 1 Kings chapter 19, fascinating chapter in the Bible. Elijah, this great prophet of God from the Old Testament, he's up on this mountain, and God shows up. And he wants God to speak to him. And this really cool thing happens, everybody. So it says there's this mighty rushing wind, like this tornado, hurricane force wind. Wham, it just shakes the mountain. And then then it says this. It's really cool. It says, but God wasn't in the powerful wind. And then it says that there was this earthquake that shook the whole mountain. The mountain is shaking. And then it says this. God wasn't in the earthquake. And there was a fire, this raging fire comes down upon the mountain. And then it says, God wasn't in the raging fire. And then it says, there was this gentle whisper, and God was in the whisper. For some of us, we are here, and we're trying to gain knowledge. We're waiting for some event to happen. We're waiting for some rushing, powerful wind. We're waiting for some fire to come down. We're waiting for the world to shake us and then say, when all that happens, when I gain the nuggets of knowledge about God, and when some incredible thing happens, man, I'm going to jump across, and man, I'm going to go, I'm going to fully believe. And God's saying, no. I'm not in all that. I'm in the gentle whisper, and I thought, you know, that's so true. In my own life, at points where God has guided me, points where the Holy Spirit has spoken to me, it's never been fire or earthquakes or tornadoes. It's always been a gentle whisper. People ask me, all the, I get asked this question all the time. Why are you in ministry? It finally hit me this morning when I said that, gosh, I, Maybe people are thinking, man, what are you doing in the ministry? Maybe that's the deal. I don't know. But uh, people say, why are you in the ministry? Well, you know why I'm in the ministry? A gentle whisper. Not a tornado, not a fire, not an earthquake. I'm in the ministry because a gentle whisper happened 25 years ago. Gentle whisper. People say, Grace Community Church, how'd you get to be a part of this? You know how I'm a part of this church? A gentle whisper. It happened nine years ago. Actually, nine years ago right now. Nine years ago right now. I had this gentle whisper, and that's why I'm a part of Grace Community Church. That's how it began. People say, how did you know that Kristen, that you were to marry your wife 24 years, how did you know that you were to marry her? That's easy. She told me. It was God's will. <laughs> no whisper necessary whatsoever. Okay? It's a gentle whisper. Some of us are at that point that the only way we're going to leap forward in our understanding of God is if we take a leap of faith. Faith requires faith. Knowledge will take you to a certain point, but it cannot take you home. Belief, everybody, will take you to a certain point, but it cannot take you home. It takes a combination of knowledge and faith. Now, one la- I just want one parting shot. That's all I want to say. I got to thinking about this, and I started to think, what was I doing during the many different times in my life where I felt that gentle whisper where God spoke to me? And three things came to mind. And just by coincidence, they all begin with the letter P. They all begin with the letter P. And it's nowhere on your outline to fill it in. First of all, I made it a priority. You know, if you really want to hear from the Holy Spirit, if you really do, if you really, really, like, you know, sometimes in my life, let's just talk about me. Sometimes in my life, I say, oh, God, I really want to hear from you. But yeah, I really don't. I really, really don't. Those times that I really, really do, I make it a priority. Like I, you know, I'm asking and I'm listening. I'm asking and I'm listening. Like I'm carving out time in my day and I'm asking and I'm listening. You know why? Because I really want to hear. And if you really want to hear from the Holy Spirit, if you want to gain a better understanding of God, it's got to be a priority. Number two, I'm patient. 
Now I really want to hear I'm patient. Like after five minutes, I don't get up and say, well, you're taking too long. <laughs> Holy Spirit, you need to speed your clock up. I'm out of here. No, I'm really, I just, and the last thing, I'm persistent. I just keep, I got to hear from you. Now listen, there's a scripture verse. I've heard it all my life. First Corinthians chapter 14, verse number 33. It says, God is not the author of confusion. God is not the author of confusion. I believe it with all my heart. And my only question to God is, why do I feel confused so often? What's wrong with me? What's wrong with me? Some of you feel in that same boat about God's will for your life or about your understanding of God. And you know, one thing, here's the gentle whisper for today that I felt more than anything else, even more than wanting to talk to you about proclaiming a year of belief in your own life for 2010, here's the one thing that, that God put on my heart. God said, I want you to pray Ephesians chapter 1, verses 16 to 18, and pronounce it as over a blessing over everybody that comes to church on Sunday. Because Ephesians chapter 1, verses 16 to 18 is an awesome, awesome prayer that's found right in the Scriptures. It's all about the light of God and understanding flooding your hearts. About God giving you wisdom, about clarity, about once you understand God, knowing His will becomes much easier in your life. And I want to conclude by just praying this prayer over you. Afterwards, if you want me or somebody from the prayer team pray with you personally, you want to take communion, we're going to be right in that room afterwards. But I want to close in prayer. It's on your outlines. It's right on the outlines. It's on the screen over here. I just want to pray. I want to conclude by praying this prayer. So let's, let's just pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you, God, for your word. I thank you for your love. I thank you for things in your word, powerful prayers like this prayer of blessing, of pronouncement that, that I'm about. Uh, to be privileged to pray over everybody here. And God, it is just so in my heart this morning that, that there is some frustration in this room. There's a need for clarity. There's a need for understanding of you. Some of us so desperately want to know what your will is for our lives. And some of those things are for big things, and some of them are for small things. But God, we want all the confusion wiped away, and we want it to be clean, and we want it to be clear. And Father, as I pray this prayer of blessing, God, I pray that, God, you would let the fog just roll out of this room and that you would allow there to be total clarity and understanding of who you are, of your love for us, and your will for our lives. And so, God, I pray these words. I have never stopped thanking God for you, and I pray for you constantly, asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding so that you might grow in your knowledge of God. I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the wonderful future that He has promised for you. And I want you to realize what a rich and glorious inheritance God has for you, His people. Lord, let it be so for every single one of us in this room today. The words of your Scripture, the prayer that I've just read from your Holy Word of Truth, God, let it be in all of our lives. In Christ's name, amen.